Well, everyone, welcome back to the Golden Generation podcast. It's been another massive night as the group stages close out. I'm joined by regular once again. Feels like he's on every day at this point. Papricetto, <laughs> welcome back. How are you this morning? I'm well, Gerald. It's a, a frantic final day of group stage action, which was just very exciting. Lots of great talking points. And now it's the round of 16 from tomorrow, the best part of the World Cup. You just love nothing more than crazy knockout football. Yep, can't wait for tonight. Also joining us today is special guest, former Adelaide United man, also has four caps for Ghana's national team, Lloyd Awusu. Great to have you on the show, Lloyd. How are you this morning? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, not the best at the moment with the Ghana result, but uh, I'm other than that, I'm, I've been enjoying the World Cup to present. Yeah, great to have you here. And um, where are you at, at the moment? Are you still living in Australia? Yeah, I'm, I'm based here in Sydney. So uh, yeah, I'm here in Sydney oh, enjoying yeah. life, so I can't complain at all. <laughs> Lovely. Do you think you'll be at one of the live sites this morning or, or are you not not too keen on it? What's that? So, so I said that again? Will you, will you get to one of the live sites for the Socceroos game? Oh, no, man. No, no, no. <laughs> I've, got to be, I've got to be at SBS tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to be on SBS uh, doing a oh, and then, yeah. Oh, so, wow. That's awesome. And then, then it'll come out in the evening. So I'll be in bed. I'll just watch it in bed and then, yeah, all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unreal. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, as, as Pat you alluded to, it was a massive night. Like the pretty much every game had like a shock result or was, or was a massive game. We'll start with um, we'll start with the Ghana result. Uh, and Lloyd, you can take the wheel on this one. Obviously, a really disappointing result for Ghana. Um, what went wrong in this game? I suppose they went in looking like a real chance, and it just didn't quite go to plan. Yeah, like you say, we had a real chance of going through, and especially. Have, wanting to have that revenge with for what uh, Uruguay did to us in 2010 in South Africa, you know, you thought you'd, you'd get a result knowing that you've been playing well at this World Cup so far. Uh, you know, I mean, we scored a few goals and defensively, we've been a bit shaky defensively, but going forward, we know we can score. So going to the game, I thought I was, I was feeling positive, and then as soon as we got the, when we when we got awarded the penalty, I was thinking, you know what, this could be this could be our World Cup to get through to the quarters. But then I was just I was just saying to Pat off air, it's just like for me. These these players, I don't, I don't even know who started this, who created this so-called wait to wait for the referee to blow his whistle and wait ten seconds before you start running and then start stuttering and then it's just like run up to the ball and put the ball in the back of the net. So I'm like, it's just like why are they do it? And then obviously we missed the penalty and from there your head's gonna go down. But I gotta give I gotta give real credit to uh to Uruguay. You know they really stifled us. You know they were really in our face. Didn't really let us play uh, because at the end of the day they knew that if they got a win potentially they're gonna go through as well. So. But over, even though they didn't in the end, but they just stifled us. They just they just kept in our face. They just they disrupted our our play. So for the Ghanaians, it was a bit of a unfortunate incident, missing the penalty and then going on to try and get goals, which we just couldn't because uh, Uruguay was so good in defensive and, and in their structure. Yeah, and I mean, look, as you spoke about the you know getting revenge on Uruguay, then they did start Luis Suarez, and and I I sent a message into the group at the time, and I was like, "There's no way they've done this." Like there was definitely a bit of mind games behind that decision. I would have thought, considering he hadn't even started one of the other couple of games, and um, he got that assist as well. So Pat, mm. we spoke about yesterday. That's probably the longest time someone's waited for revenge, and they're going to unfortunately have to wait a little bit longer, which is is very unfortunate. It doesn't seem fair because this was all set up for Ghana to get. That's sweet revenge. Um, but uh, regardless, Uruguay don't go through. So I guess, you know, it's not like they've, um, you know, it's, it still hasn't been a very good World Cup for them. And, and they were almost through, but it was somehow South Korea knocking 
Um, them out through a win against Portugal with a, a last gasp goal. Pat, did you see this one? I watched the highlights of this one. Obviously, I I, I took the option to sleep through the two AM games to get up for the six AM mm. games. But when I obviously you see that result and you go, bloody hell, where where have they pulled that from? Because obviously on the podcast mm. yesterday we um we didn't give South Korea much hope. We thought obviously you know we saw when obviously as Lloyd would have been happy with um, Garner's win over. South Korea, that dramatic game. But obviously after that game, you saw Hyungmin Son was in tears of sadness. Mm. And then, you know, three, four days later, you see him in tears of joy after they pull off an upset win against the odds. And it was the most dramatic circumstances possible. You know, that last minute, for some reason, Portugal throwing all those players forward on, um, you know, throwing all those players forward. And then Hyungmin Son, an amazing run in the counter-attack. And um, just the finish from Huang, the striker, just unbelievable scenes. And I think what I f- found even funny is, you know, that the cameras saw at the end of the game, you saw both the fans in the stands, but also all the players on the pitch. Someone had their phone out, found a stream of the Ghana-Uruguay game, just waiting for the final whistle oh, to wow. go, <laughs> just to confirm that Uruguay didn't get that um one guy that would have sent them through. But just what a, what a story. I think what that's three Asian teams into the... Mm. Knockout rounds probably for the first time ever. I'm assuming I'm happy to be corrected if I'm not right on that one, but just pretty crazy. Look, you know, obviously Portugal rested quite a few players as expected. They're still off to the perfect start. I think they scored after like four or five minutes or something, but it was obviously, you know, fair play to South Korea. They could have put their heads down after going down early. They might've thought, oh, you know what? It's not, it's not going to happen, but you know, they had that self-belief and they, they did it and just it's absolutely fantastic. And who, who I mean, look, they've got Brazil. <laughs> That's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, you know, we thought Portugal and Uruguay are going to be tough games. I think Brazil is another level. But, um, yeah, just absolutely fantastic result. And, you know, this World Cup has produced so many upsets like that. I think maybe maybe it's hap- just because it's happening during the season, during mm. the European season, where players just aren't sort of at their peak. And maybe, Lloyd, you'll know a bit more. Obviously, as a player yourself, you know how hard it is when you've just got such a grueling schedule than to like pick yourself up for a big tournament like this. But um, I think it's as much as we kind of don't like it happening at this time and obviously all the stuff around that, it's producing shock upsets and, you know, big drama. That's great for us journalists to talk about it all. Mm, I, I see that. It's quite interesting. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think this could be one of the first World Cups that there hasn't been a team who's won all three games in the group stages. You might Maybe, be checking yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's no one got all nine points mm, in this whole no, year. No, so, I don't think so. Unbelievable stat. Yeah. Like, see, some people have opened up some can of worms with, with certain results and uh, it's been really interesting. But, but I guess that's, that's the beauty of football, you know? No matter who you think you are, you might think you're the top team, but then a lower a lower seeded team goes and beats you. I mean, look at the, the first game, Saudi Arabia against uh, Argentina, mm. you know? You, so you get the shock upset. So it's been beautiful to see. Yeah, it's, it's, there's been so many because even yesterday we were like, surely you know, there's a chance for Brazil or Portugal to be one of the, to be the only team to get nine points. And then even this morning, I thought surely Brazil will still get the mm. job done. And somehow they they were shocked as well. And um, it was another goal for Abubu Car, but unfortunately, wasn't enough to get Cameroon mm. through. Um, after watching that game, Pat, do you sort of take a bit away from Brazil as, as sort of? That they, you know, they're so far away in the betting markets as that favourite. Do you still think that that they are the number one seed, or do you think after you know we're a bit less convinced after watching that? Well, I think so. Look, I think first of all, I think full credit to Cameroon. I believe um, on the commentary, I heard that the first ever African side to beat Brazil at a World Cup. So that's a fantastic achievement, even though obviously it was in vain as they didn't qualify. But 
look, I mean, Brazil made nine changes for this one, both because obviously they had a few injuries already that, you know, protecting their players for the knockout rounds. And I think they might have even had a couple of players out with um, the flu, I believe. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch to see if they're going to have more players out for the round of 16. But I, I don't think it does because I think watching this game, Brazil were absolutely dominant. I think in the first half, Cameroon didn't even have a shot at all. I think the corner count by the end of the game was about 13 corners to Brazil compared to like one for um Cameroon. You know, players like Gabriel Martinelli was so exciting. He was so unlucky not to get a goal. And it's interesting to see if maybe he's played his way into maybe not so much starting, but maybe he could be that first player off the bench for Brazil in the knockout games. But look, you know, obviously they conceded a goal at the end. It was a brilliant header from Abubakar, who then he was already on a yellow card. He takes his shirt off. I think he full well knew that he was about to get sent off and, you know, he shakes the referee's hand. So I think it was the the most magnanimous yellow card you'll uh, ever see. But look, on Brazil, I think they'll still be fine. Like I said, you know, they really dominated the game. Probably any other day they would have scored maybe three, four goals and we would be talking about, you know, Brazil nine points, favourites to win the whole thing. But, um, no, I didn't get the win. They'll obviously, you know, they'll look at that and think they, you know, it's maybe the concentration right at the end. You know, they the with the header, Abubakar got a bit easily away from the two centre backs. So obviously, some things things to um, still work on, but I think they're still the favourites, I guess. But it is interesting. All of these big teams, they've all had kind of one game where they've either mm. lost or drawn and just not been at it. I don't think we've really seen that at a World Cup. I don't know. And mm. look, yeah, we already talked about the um the fact that it's during the season. But I think it's just interesting. I feel that we haven't seen a World Cup like this. Even in recent, obviously in recent World Cups, we've seen other big teams fail to not qualify. But I don't think we've seen to the scale of how many big teams have just struggled and look nervy at different moments or even just had bad, bad games. So I think, it, could we see a big upset further in the knockout rounds? It really, this would be the World Cup where we would see something like that. Yeah, and I guess it's important to note that like Brazil did heavily rotate the squad, but even still, like that squad compared to um, compared to Cameroon's still a massive difference in quality. So really expected them to still win. But you are right that I guess it just proves that everybody's beatable. I think you know every team just about had a loss. I think a couple got seven points, but yeah, um, yeah I mean it, it sets us up for such a massive um, World Cup. Uh, knockouts especially starting tonight but the other game and, and was probably the best game of the night especially because of what it meant for both sides switzerland and serbia three two um lloyd did you see much of this or, or were I you straight to bed li- after that literally i've just literally got downstairs to start log on to you guys and i've just looked on the the sbs oh, yeah. show now and just seeing the goals going in so i didn't really get to see the game but the goals look like an epic game looks very mm-hmm. exciting so we're uh, fair play to switzerland you know they've, they've done really well to to qualify and uh hope they do well as well Mm. And Pat? Yeah, no, I did watch this one. And obviously, given the, um, you know, obviously a lot of, you'd think that you'd have Brazil as, you know, one of the biggest teams in the world on, on your main screen. But I actually had this game on the on my big TV screen and the Brazil game on my laptop in the corner just because obviously the stakes of the Serbia-Switzerland game, a lot at play. Obviously, yeah, Gerald and I, we discussed how it's a bit heated, you know, mm. between the two mm. teams, a little bit of a, maybe a bit of a rivalry forming. And we saw that towards the end of the second half. Granite Jacker and Mitrovic, the two mm. usual suspects in getting the on-field matters heated on the pitch. But uh, the, the first half was just mad. I think Switzerland nearly scored after 30 seconds through Mbolo, forced a good save from Milinkovic Savic, the keeper. Then Switzerland went into the lead. Jordan Shakiri, one of their players who's been a mainstay for them for the last 
eight, nine years. But then um, credit to Serbia, they got back in the game. They had a lot of joy down uh, the left flank with Filip Kostic was being a constant menace for um, the Switzerland defence. And they got their goals, Mitrovic and um, Vlahovic, you know, they're, they're the strike pairing that uh, hadn't started at the World Cup. But obviously um, the Serbia coach is a bit of a roll of the dice to get them the crucial win, put them both together, and they got in the lead. So there was a time where Serbia were actually second and going through, but they let it slip through some really poor defending for the second goal. And Bolo, he got his goal this time, got through pretty easily. And then just after halftime, a wonderful goal for Switzerland. Beautiful little kind of flicked pass. And Freuler, the fullback or wingback, finished it off. And then after then, we... Thought we'd see some more drama, but I think Switzerland after that point really uh, hunkered down. You know, they realised that they only, they, you know, um, it was would have been two goals for Serbia to win and overtake them. So Switzerland did hunker down. It got a little bit um, nitty gritty. You know, obviously the tempers flared a bit. I think you know Mitrovic wanted a penalty, didn't get one. The Serbian bench got a bit heated. Some yellow cards were thrown out. So I guess there was drama in that regard. But the game, the action, the game itself, it kind of got bogged down a little bit. But the interesting thing was right at the end, when Cameroon scored, if Serbia got an equaliser, that actually would have put Cameroon through on the um, fair play ranking, which is something that would have been absolutely amazing, would have added another layer of drama. But Switzerland got the job as probably done, probably as a lot of people would have expected. And I think Serbia finished bottom of the group, which is... Pretty disappointing to them. Obviously, you know, it's good for Cameroon to come third in the group, win a World Cup game, but another very disappointing um, World Cup for Serbia, given some of the players that they have in their ranks. What's this fair play ranking you're talking mm. about? What is that? I think it's based off, um, I think it's it's one of the very bottom tiebreakers. So it shows how how much has to be close and even for it to come to that. I believe it comes down to like yellow and red cards, I think. So I believe in the 2018 World Cup, uh, Serbia, I mean, um, Senegal and Japan, I believe that was the, um, I think that was actually the tiebreaker that separated them. So I believe that because Senegal had more yellow cards than Japan, Japan actually went through. So it's not something we've seen a lot, but it shows mm. how close and even the group is if it had to come down to that. Oh, because they would have had the same goals scored as well, wouldn't they? And then if they had... Yeah, I believe so. I believe that. Yeah. And, and I, believe goals, I believe goals scored is what actually... um got South Korea through over Uruguay. So again, that shows how close that group was. Mm. Yeah. I, and Switzerland probably would have racked up enough yellow cards to kick them out in those last for five minutes anyway. So that <laughs> yeah. obviously wouldn't have worked well for them. <laughs> but um, I guess, um, yeah, that closes off the group stage. A lot of shocks in terms of teams that didn't qualify. The annoying thing about the Asian teams is they're all on the same side of the bracket. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, there's a very good chance that none of them get past the next stage. Mm. But they, you know, we, I think Japan's probably most likely against Croatia, which we'll talk about a little yeah. bit. Um, you know, a couple can, of I, can I just, I just want to ask um, Lloyd something in the mm. aftermath of the game. I'm not sure this is official, but I saw Fabrizio Romano tweeted after the game that the Ghana coach actually said that he'd be stepping down after yeah. the World Cup. I just want to kind of know, what are your thoughts on his performance, obviously in getting the team to the World Cup and how they've actually performed at the World Cup as a whole? Yeah, as a whole, to be fair to, to uh he said he always said uh, when he signed a short he only signed to the end of the year anyway and because he's based in Germany he's got his job in Germany he, he always said if even if Ghana won the World Cup he said he would still he would still step down because his family is based in Germany and that's where they see life so uh, it was it, it was it was not a surprise when I when I read it this morning literally literally just got got the message for some peeps that 
he's obviously stepped down after the game and like I said, it wasn't no surprise. So he's been open and transparent from day dot. And look, it's a great experience for me. He's only a young lad. I'm not, I luckily I had a chance, I had an opportunity to play with him when I made one of my debuts for Ghana uh, back in 2006, 2005, 2006 year. And uh, yeah, great guy. And like I said, he's doing what he's doing in Germany, but uh, he's, he's done well. He's, it's on his CV now. He's been to a World Cup. So that's going to be good for him. And then uh, whatever he does in the future, I'll, I'll, give, him, I'll give him all my praise. So, uh, and then I guess now we'll just see who's going to come in for Ghana. It's, maybe this is going to be a time for the Ghana FA to rebuild uh, because we've got we have got some good players, you know. We have got some good players coming through, some good youngsters. Uh, and I feel like over the next couple of years or over the next generation of, of years, there's going to be a couple of African clubs or Af African teams, sorry, that are going to be even higher in the pecking order in regards to trying to get to the quarters and, and potentially semi-finals of a, of a World Cup final. Uh, do you think they'll look locally for a coach, like for a Ghanaian coach, or maybe go um, overseas for like a European or South American coach? It's such a great question because I think obviously it comes down to experiences as well. I mean, if I was a player personally, obviously back if I was in in that in that current era now, I, I would want someone who has to have the love for the country. You know, you have to have someone I believe who who feels the passion of the players, who feels the passion of the and especially the fans. So someone who's just like you say, bringing in a foreigner who doesn't really know anything about the culture, the the atmosphere of, of, of Ghana people, Ghana footballers, I don't think that'd be fair. So personally, I would say potentially go with someone who's maybe in-house in regards into the Ghana system. But then but then on the flip side, because the Ghana football isn't so renowned as known, mm. like what, what are the coaching qualifications of these coaches? So it's, it's a hit and miss. It's a real hit and miss one, you know? Yeah, I, I guess that's difficult. Like, you'd you know, you'd want someone, you, you know, maybe you'd want him to go around again. I guess someone, you know, he's he's qualified and he's proven but um yeah i think you know we've sort of seen that in the past even with australia like when we had that dutch bloke a few years ago didn't really get it probably didn't really push the players to the level that even as much as i don't love graham arnold i, I really respect what he's done here because i think he's been able to grab onto the aussie culture and like unify right. the boys through that right. and i right. think that that's such an important thing in a world cup especially yeah when maybe you don't have the same level of talent as some of the other clubs and, and that sort of thing. So hopefully they can find the right mm -hmm. guy that can do that for them because I suppose this was a, a pretty decent campaign still for Ghana compared to some of the past ones and yeah. um, definitely something they can build off in a 48-team one in a few years' time. Yeah. Um, but moving on to tonight's games, we've got a couple of blockbusters. The first one, though, we'll talk about, we'll get the uh, less important one out of the way, Netherlands and USA. Um, the Netherlands had a pretty easy group. I think that's fair to say compared to some of the other ones. They, they got pretty lucky um, and, and were first. They played pretty well though. So I guess tonight we're going to learn a bit more about them as they come up against a bit of a better side. But even the US, I'm not entirely convinced on, although they are one of the only teams to go undefeated throughout the groups. Pat, how do you see this one playing out and what's your tip for tonight? I think it would be an interesting one because um, the Netherlands are on, I think it's an 18 game or something around that number unbeaten run so, mm. you know and they're a solid side difficult to break down but they haven't been too flashy um in the group stages i think especially after their game against ecuador their coach louis van Gaal was um kind of put the rocket up and a bit trying to like motivate them it's like you know you can't just expect to walk through it's not a walk in the park you can't just you know rock up and expect to beat these teams and i think you know, obviously in the game after they got the job against a terrible Qatar side so obviously it's going to be a bit of a step up now um look the USA it's interesting with them because I think their defense and their midfield is incredibly solid so it could be quite hard for a Dutch attack that apart from Cody Gakpo hasn't been 
amazing yet. But the one thing you would say about the USA is their attack has also been not the best. You know, I think they've only scored two goals mm. all tournament, and a lot of their attacking play mm. comes through Pulisic or Timothy Weah. So it's going to be interesting that the USA are going to really need to lift a lot in the attacking aspect, and whether they can do that, I'm not too sure. But I trust their midfield to match to match up with the Netherlands one, and also their defence to keep Gakpo quiet. You know, Gakpo has been absolutely phenomenal. I believe that Arsenal wanted him in the summer. They didn't get him. And now I think not only is he going to be a lot more expensive, they're also going to have a lot more competition to try to get his signature. So I think Gakpo could be one of those players. You know, you always say after the World Cup, a lot of players Mm. moving for big money. He could be that man. But I think this will be a fairly even game. You back the Netherlands to get the win just because they've got that quality in that star term. I'm not sure what you think, Lloyd, but I'd back the Netherlands to win in a close one. Could even go to extra time, actually. Yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Netherlands, to be fair. Yeah, fair call. Pat, did you did you give your actual score? Sorry. Just um, oh, I'd say maybe 2-0, but it's like a close 2-0, maybe like the Netherlands mm. get a goal right at the end when the US have to do a bit of attacking or something like that. Yeah, I'll go 1-0 Netherlands. Um, but yeah, it's interesting you say most of the attack's gone through Pulisic so far in this World Cup. I f- believe he's been cleared to play, which gives him a massive chance in this yeah. compared to if he wasn't going to play. Um, so look, we'll see how that goes. But that's out of the way. Let's talk about probably the reason most people have, have clicked on here. And that's to talk about Argentina and Australia. 6 a.m. our time. Um, look, it's like the biggest It's the biggest game Australia's played in in 16 years. Probably, yeah. I, I don't know, arguably... It's just as big, I suppose, as around a 16 game. Um, it was Italy last time. Now it's Argentina. Just as difficult. Argentina's got a great squad and so much motivation to win. Um, Lloyd, kick us off here. How do you think yes. that this one's going to go from a bit more of a neutral perspective? Yeah, oh, to me, that's a great year. Um, as I'm, I'm a real new, although I'm a Aussie citizen now. But uh, look, I think, firstly, fantastic for Australia to get where they've got to so far. To be fair, look, even I was probably one who, so they wouldn't even get out of the group stage. And I think many people said the same thing. So for that, you've got to give them kudos. Going up against Argentina now, it's going to be one of them games where, no disrespect, it's literally going to be a percentage game. They, I think Arnie's going to know that they're not going to have much of the ball at all because mm. the quality that Argentina possess, they're just going to keep the ball, keep the ball, and they're just going to keep moving Australia around left and right. They're going to be playing lateral forward, back and forth, just to try and open up gaps. And as soon as them gaps open up, if if... Uh, Australia don't keep keep nice and compact. They're just going to find pockets, and it's going to get the players like Messi and them guys, De, De Maria, in, in, into pockets to score goals. So look, I think, but but on the flip side, if Australia do what they did the other night and keep that real compactness, real togetherness, because there was that's probably the most togetherness I've ever seen an Australian team since I since I watched a bit of Australian football. You know, uh, there was such a there was such a harness on. You know what, boys? Let's just make sure we keep tight, we keep compact, we don't let spaces open up. And then we can count with teams on the get teams on the count, which which Lecky scored that brilliant goal. So I honestly believe that there could be the odd occasions in a game where that's going to happen. They're going to be soaking up the pressure, soaking up the pressure, uh, and then Suka at the back in roles. If they just keep commanding, keep being that them leaders at the back, I believe that the odd occasion that Australia might get a little a little fruitful chance and uh, might might give might give uh, Argentina a little little bit of an upset. Mm. Pat, how do you feel? That's, that's a very that's, that's a promising take, Lloyd. You've definitely filled me with some confidence <laughs> hearing that. Oh, look, I mean, of course, Australia is going to be up against it. No one's going to back them to win. They're probably out of all the um, 
round of 16 matches, I'm assuming that in the betting markets or whatever, Australia are the mm. longest um, outsiders. But I think, and I know we spoke about it, but I know obviously I, I had my little hot take yesterday where I said, I don't think Arnold, <laughs> but I said Arnold probably, in my opinion, shouldn't get a new contract. But in fairness to him, it's very clear that this belief and this mentality, not we haven't really seen, not only in Arnold's reign, but even in so long for the soccerers, maybe even back to the, except for maybe the early days under Ange Postacogli, this togetherness, this just belief, this backing up every single player 100%, even if you know, even if you're someone like Cummings or Kuala have only had one sub-appearance, everyone's completely 100% together. And we haven't seen that mm. in so long. I think that's what's really gotten Australia this far, is that belief and then obviously just the ability to stay. Yeah, as Lloyd said, you know, the they need to carry that ability of staying compact and resolute in defence in the previous games. They have to take that to another level against um, Argentina. Because obviously, you know, the first game against France, where they versed last time, they versed a proper world-class side. We saw that they couldn't um, maintain that standard mm. against a, a brilliant mm. attack like that. So that is going to be a big test. And I think that uh, it probably is good that we had that France game. It's a bit of a warning, maybe. Arnold and the coaching staff, they've looked at some patterns of play and the way that Australia dealt with the situation of kind of, you know, going going behind, dealing with a world-class play. You know, they've got Lionel Messi, arguably the best player of all time, you know, dealing with him. You, you kind of can't in a way. It's more damage limitation. But look, they've got that belief now that Arnold probably saying, look, you've got here now. No one believes in... They'll he'll probably be saying it's a bit of, once again, this us-against-the-world mentality. It's like, look, no one believes mm. in you. Everyone's backing you to lose. Go out there and prove them all wrong in a bit of a Aussie underdog spirit as much as, you know, we've mocked his Aussie DNA comment before the tournament. If we're going to be honest, a lot of that's what's carried the team through. So the one thing I worry about is they've expended a lot of energy. These two games, mm. they obviously didn't have much of the ball. And I think Lloyd mm. will know how tiring it is when you don't have a lot of the ball and the amount of defending you and running you have to do when you're trying to still remain compact but also putting enough pressure on the other team. Like I think, and especially in that midfield spot, Arnold's kept it consistent just to keep that chemistry going. And to be fair, they performed well enough to deserve to stay in the side. But now is the point where you've really got to think um, it's... Do you keep that chemistry going but risk the players just running out of juice at the crucial moments of the games or do you kind of switch it up, maybe risk losing a bit of momentum or chemistry but you go for those fresh legs that you're going to need when you're obviously chasing the game a lot. It's going to be an interesting conundrum for him. But look, the whole country's going to be behind him. You know, all the people at all the live sites, everyone's going to be in front of a TV. It's just going to, I, I hope that the boys can at least do the country proud, be as competitive mm. as possible. And you know what, if they can somehow win... I, I I don't know. I'll be working tomorrow morning in my other journalism job. I don't, if we somehow win, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to write two words. I'll just be like on a different cloud, just absolutely brilliant. So I'm obviously very excited. And look, you know, it's a World Cup. Strange things happen. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Pat, in regards of if they, no matter what the result is, is if the boys put a performance in, I think the country as a whole will, will, will be proud of them. You know, you don't want to go out there being sort of starstruck. Oh, we're, we're we're playing Argentina and all these great stars and we just freeze on the pitch. But if the boys just put a work ethic in and just and just grind out a result or grind out a performance, I think that they'll turn around and say, you know what, we've had a great World Cup. Yeah, I guess that's all is expected of them as well. No one really expects them to win as much as we'd like to see it. And mm. I guess you're right on the, I think it was Pat that said, on the starstruck factor because half the squad's from the A-League. Not, it's not like where, you know, 
an England or something where even though you're coming up against Messi and such a big story for them, mm. you know, they're coming up against those that, that Alc of player every single week. Whereas for our guys, for you know, they're not seeing these type of world-class mm. players. And I think we saw a little bit against Denmark where it almost felt in the first half of an hour we're giving them a bit too much respect. Yeah, yeah. And um obviously I think for the same against France. So we really hope that um they can just keep a level head throughout the game. The first sort of 30 minutes are going to be so important um, because the game could be over if if we're not careful. And I kind of do appreciate the fact that we got France so early because I think it allowed them to get a bit of a lesson about, you know, coming up against a world-class team and, and, mm. and how difficult it is. So I don't know how I feel about the chances. I'm, I'm not really sure. I think we'll probably, you know, it'll be somewhere around a 3-1 type scoreline or something. But obviously there's that hope that we can pull off something ridiculous. Mm. Um but uh, but yeah, Pat, where will you be watching this game? Uh, well, unfortunately, I I have to work for at eight AM, which is uh, if the game does go into extra time, it'll be right mm. when the game's finishing. So unfortunately, I can't. I would love to venture into Sydney, into Darling Harbour to watch that live, but I think I might instead like all the games so far. Probably just um watch it with my dad, and I hope that we see. Obviously, at four o'clock in the morning, my dad and I we had a very manly hug when the final whistle went so i'm hoping that we're going to see similar scenes like that um on sunday morning and is it a work from home job or is it a you got to yeah, it's a work or... from home but it's like i start oh. right at eight o'clock so there's no mm. chance of me being able to get back and <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah fair enough and lloyd you'll be uh in the sbs studios or is it oh, a little bit uh, earlier? Uh, yeah so i watched the game at home i think my boy he'll want to wake up as well so yeah. he'll want to wake even maybe even potentially my daughter as well so uh yeah well i'll wake up for that i'll wake up for that and then uh head to the studio i've got to be there eight o'clock anyway so i guess you know yeah to be fair then i guess i've got a <laughs> i might have to watch half of it then in, maybe on the way in on in the car potentially so yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> drive safely. Yeah, I think I'll probably venture into Fed Square, though. It's going to be so packed. Like, people I know are going in at 4 a.m. because they know that, like, it's probably not even going to be room there. Mm. Um, I think people sort of thought, like, oh, on Thursday, like, it's 2 a.m., no one will really go. And it was even busier <laughs> than Saturday. It was unreal. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't end up going to that one, I stayed in bed, but. Um, this time I feel like it's just, it's one of those things, like if they do win, you just be so like kicking yourself that you didn't sort yeah. of make more of it or, or go, yeah, go and watch it in that sort of mm. experience. Amy Parks opened their doors as well, which is interesting. I don't really know how that's going to work, maybe because the big screen isn't like that big there where people would, Okay, you know, I, I don't know, but we'll see, we'll see how it'll be. There's going to be live sites all across the country, which is going to be unreal. One more thing. Once again, I'm going to take the hosting mantle because I love the sound <laughs> of my own voice just for a sec, but, um, Obviously, Lloyd, you played with a very young Matthew Leckie back at Adelaide. Yep. Just how great was it to see? Firstly, his um oh, goal yeah, against them must have been great for you to see. But just how has yeah. it been to see his career progresses, you know, an Australian that's played in Europe consistently and now he's back home? How has it been seeing his yeah, career progress? That's a great question. Like, a lot of people asked me this week because I put a picture up of me and him on Insta the other day. And they was like, how do you know Leckie? I'm like, one of my youngsters when I came to Adelaide United. <laughs> so I remember he came when, when he came he, when he came there 2009 2010. Uh, he came from uh, Berlin in Melbourne as a raw. I think I think he's only 17 at the time. Well, that's yeah, 17, 18, just a raw player. But you know, you saw someone just with raw pace. We we're like, gee, this kid can motor. So he came into the, he came into the into the training traps with all the boys, and uh, we obviously first we made him feel welcome anyway, like we always did with it, all players, especially our senior players. But he he got off he just got off really well he just he like I said he had that raw raw power raw pace, 
And he had, a, he said that I forgot. Everything about him was positive. He was never a negative player. As soon as he would get that ball, the, his first option was always just to run forward. And if you watch it, if you watch his career over the years, that's all he ever seems. If you see, if you really watch his career, really going all over the last 10, 15 years, that's what Matthew does. He just gets that ball and he just goes forward straight away. So uh, yeah, I, it wasn't a surprise when I saw him pick up the ball just before the halfway line and and, and just and just go. Although none of the rest of the Australian team could keep up with him for, to get support, I just knew yeah, <laughs> left 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 and right, chopped, turned the guy inside out, sold him a hot dog with mustard, and then like I say, it's not it's not that balling beautifully. But look, he's a he's a great guy. He's a he's a great leader as well. He's I mean his third World Cup. So obviously I think now him and Matty Ryan are gonna they're gonna be the Australian mm-hmm. leading the uh, appearance players. So fair yeah, play to him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope he he does really well tonight. Uh, he's a, he's a great guy, and uh, yeah, bless them all. I hope they all do really well tonight. Yeah, that's a really great insight. And um, I guess I, I was a little bit critical of his him being selected, or especially him starting. But he's proved everyone wrong. I think a goal and an assist is a, he's had a really really good World Cup. Um, and I guess maybe the fact that he's at City just makes it seem like maybe he he's not at that level anymore. But he's clearly proved that he's not um gone too far backwards and he's had a massive campaign so obviously expect him to start again tonight pat before we go you did say before about the fatigue of the squad and that's obviously going to be a factor i think we saw it a little bit against denmark do you think that graham arnold will change anything in the squad because of that or will he keep it the same and just sort of give him the benefit of the doubt uh, I think there's a really good chance that keanu bacchus and or Aiden stitch could come into that midfield side i mean bacchus Came on at halftime for Craig Goodwin. I was a little bit confused because obviously mm. you know, Goodwin's a winger and um, Backus is a mm. centre mid, so they can confuse a lot of people. But again, you know, credit to Arnie, it clearly worked because Backus was absolutely fantastic. And I know a lot of people really, I was one of them, were clamouring for Cam Devlin to get a bit more game time before the tournament. Mm. You know, Backus has kind of been that player and said it's come off the bench. And credit to him. I've got a soft spot. Obviously, I'm a Western Sydney boy, a Western Sydney Wanderers fan. So I know a lot about Keanu when he was at the club. And it's just great mm. to see him shine on the world stage. Obviously, against Denmark, he played a key role, just kind of, you know, helping the side mm. settle in the middle of the park. His tackling, his running, his passing, mm. he was absolutely excellent. So I think if he would if he would start, it wouldn't be undeserved. And obviously, just that fresh legs. It's like, especially in the midfield, even if you want it. I know Arnie will want to keep loyal to those players who have done so well. Like, it's just... You've got to have some fresh legs there because Argentina's mm. midfield's on another level. So mm. I think we could see in the midfield, you know, Bacchus or Hrustich. Obviously, Hrustich can kind of be that bit of a game breaker. He's maybe the closest to a pure number 10 that we have in the side. And, you know, sometimes mm. he can just have that shot or that one game-breaking pass. But I think other than that, he's going to keep it the same because we've seen Arnie. He's, he's very much... He's got... Not only has he got his favourites, but I think he's someone who really thinks it's important for continuity and keeping that going. I think in a World Cup when you've just got so many games and obviously mm. when you've got a team spirit, as we've already touched on a lot, when you've got a really positive team spirit, I think it's important to kind of keep that going. You don't want to break it up too mm. much. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Do you think Degenek gets the right back spot again? or Because he's given that's the only spot that's changed every single game. We've had three separate um, fullbacks. Yeah, to be fair, yeah. he, 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 I thought he did he, I thought he did quite well, uh, to mm. be fair. And also, but what I loved about him I don't know if you saw the, I saw a lot of the stuff of the off pitch stuff in the change room, mm. uh, and he's just his, just his, he's another captain, being another captain. You know what I mean? I mean, I always say no one's, and I think I reckon I always say that every player on the pitch is a captain. You know what I mean? But he just showed a lot of leadership off the pitch, and I feel like that took the, that put the boys in good stead as well. So I think I think he'll start again. Uh, you know what I mean? Like 
Australia's like you say, it's, it's been that probably that position where over the year, over the last year hasn't been a consistent right back. But I think he'll he'll start again tomorrow. So yeah, I I, I agree. I think um, well the Argentina game obviously in the mod in the modern day you like to have your fullbacks kind of going up and back. But I think against Argentina, mm. there's not going to you know mm. Bayich and um Degenek, they're going to be doing a lot of staying at home. Mm. Obviously, so like Degenek, as much as obviously he's a natural centre back, I think obviously. He, Excelled defensively last game against you know Denmark side. Their wingers were their most dangerous players. Yet um, yeah. Dekanek shut them down really yeah. well. So I think Arnold will just say do similar again. You know it's maybe a bit of a hark back to the eighties and the nineties where your fullbacks they they tackle they clear mm. the ball. We could be seeing a bit of a, a bit of an old fashioned style performance. But if it works, who gives a shit? Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's it probably is our best option. I, I'm not ultra convinced on either of the fullbacks that we've taken. I think probably we spoke about earlier that our right backs are probably one of our weakest spots. So I think, yeah, it's a bit makeshift, but I think it probably does the job for what we need tonight. Um, we'll get everyone's final predictions for the game before we head off as well. Pat? Um, uh, 3-1 Argentina. I, I, I want the joy of a of at least a goal. That'd be nice to cheer a goal in the <laughs> round of 16. We haven't done that before. So if we get that, that's awesome. But look, Argentina and Messi are um, got their good. And I, I mean, I'm also a little bit biased because I put $20. I bet $20 on Argentina to win the whole thing. So even if Argentina <laughs> win, there's a small victory for me. <laughs> and Lloyd, what yeah. do you reckon? Yeah, look, as much as before, I was, I was thinking uh, it's going to be quite a low-scoring game in regards. I was going to go for a 2 number. I'm actually... I might be a bit bad here. I think it could be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with a four-one. Yeah, four-one. Right, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it well, starts we'll how it ended. It starts mm. how it ended our tournament. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with three-one as well. I think um, once they score their first, there might just be a bit of panic in our camp. I, I hope that we just need to get through to half time and sort of and see how we go. But yeah, I, I don't know when our goal would come. You hope it doesn't come too early, but. I hope it doesn't come when we're already 3 0 down. We'll, we'll see how we go. I'm feeling quite nervous about it. We've got almost still 24 hours until the match. So, um, yeah, enjoy the uh, opening round of uh, knockout stages, both of you guys. Pat, thank you for coming on once again. Thank you, Gerald. And uh, thank you, Lloyd, for coming on and joining us today. Pleasure, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, Lloyd, for coming on. Really appreciate it. And nice uh, yeah, good luck with the SBS stuff. And um, hopefully, see you soon on here. See you guys. Definitely. Cheers, guys. Take care.